acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, pre-recording from the home bunker. Folks, I'm very excited to welcome to the show for the very first time Tony Morrison, who is the senior communications director over at GLAAD. He is a veteran in the field of morning news and left legacy media uh, so that he could center the stories of LGBTQ plus people. In this conversation, Tony and I discuss, you know, in a lot of ways, the negativity, the negative, toxic headlines that we have seen, the 500 plus anti-LGBTQ bills that were released across the country, but then juxtapose that with the fact that acceptance for LGBTQ people are rising. The fact that more people now know a trans person than they did 10 years ago. And I lament to Tony that I remember, you know, when the number of people who knew a trans person was in the teens. And we talk about the knowledge gap and how you may know somebody who is a member of the LGBTQ community, but do you understand and are you educated on their lived experiences and what folks are up against on a regular basis? So we talk about the role of media, the role of GLAAD to fill that knowledge gap with truth and facts and narrative to dispose of the stereotypes, the fear, and the hate that the MAGA supremacists want to fill that gap with. It's the reasons why they get rid of the books so that you cannot learn and educate yourself, so that you are a blank canvas for their hate. So Tony and I get into a really great conversation 
about what can be done. You know, what are the highs and lows of this movement and how do we continue to advance forward given all that has been stacked against us? My conversation with Toni Morrison from GLAAD is coming up next. Folks, I am very excited uh, to welcome to Woke AF Daily, I believe for the very first time, uh, Toni Morrison, who is an Emmy and GLAAD award-earning journalist serving as Senior Director of Communications for GLAAD, the world's leading LGBTQ media advocacy organization, um, that I've had the pleasure of working with and by and being a part of uh, the GLAD family and community for over the years. Um, so, Tony, start out, you know, with me by painting the picture of kind of where LGBTQ people representation in media found itself in 2023 before we start looking ahead. Yeah, I mean, here we are at the end of the year. We're all looking back, right? And I think we all have a tendency to look at, obviously, the major headlines, the ones that are have caught our eye in terms of what has maybe been more catastrophic for our communities and how we're going to move forward. But I really do want to call on a lot of our own research here at GLAAD that says that acceptance is at an all-time high. 96% of Americans say that schools should be accepting and affirming of all students, no, notwithstanding whatever backgrounds they come from. Um, super majorities of Americans are for equality and inclusion. And I think a lot of what we're seeing is definitely this loud minority that seems like they're getting louder and are being platformed uh, in certain ways that might be irresponsible, I would say. In the, in the media platforms that we are working in and with. Um, but acceptance is at an all-time high. And when it comes to represent, representation and visibility in media, which is GLAD's um, primary focus, is that the studios and film studios and television networks and our journalists across the country are hungry and wanting to tell queer stories and intersectional stories accurately and fairly. The want is there. Obviously, it's very nuanced once you get into the corporate allyship conversation, the pride month of it all. But for the most part, I do just want to call on first here that acceptance is at an all-time high. And even just to name check pride real quick, this year we saw a huge amount of small town prides pop up for the first time. Yes, yes. Everywhere. Yes. So yep. communities are coming together. So when you talk about grassroots, grassroots action and advocacy, that's really something that starts at home. And that's what, something that we are seeing. And especially going into this election cycle, it is something encouraging that we're seeing. But we have to encourage our communities um, and our allies to be able to be equipped to carry these conversations uh, in, a, in a correct and viable means. I'm really glad that you started out with the positive, right? Because I yeah. think that it is really, you know, easy for us to get marred and bogged down by all of the negative news and headlines. When we see 
books being banned because they showcase gay penguins, when we see, you know, GSA stickers being ripped off of classrooms, when we hear about people being fired for using a, a child's, you know, preferred pronouns. Um, and so when you say that uh, acceptance is up, when you talk about the fact that there were a lot of small town prides and not just big ones, you know, and that acceptance in Hollywood is also up, you know, how do we, how do you break through, I guess, with yeah. the good, right, in order to make it very clear case that this is a loud, squeaky minority, but that they don't res represent the majority of us? I mean, for me, I just think you have to go back to how just even 10 years ago, let's just go back 10 years, even even in our own lives, our level of understanding of whatever communities that we are saying we ourselves are allies of now. Obviously, I'm here to um, uh, to create more representation and shift culture for LGBTQ people. It's a very interesting space because the LGBTQ community is an, an intersectional, intersectional one of all communities, right? But you know, just 10 years ago, like only 8% of Americans knew of a transgender person in their lives. Yep. And mm -hmm. while today we're finding that that number is up to 30% in that 10-year span, more Americans still today feel like they've seen a ghost, upwards of 40%, than feel that they have met a transgender person, 30%. So while the progress, and you, you just mentioned this a bit ago, the progress is not perfect. Progress works in this way, especially in the culture shifting space, right? In the the uh, heart and mind changing uh, space that, that we work in. But I just have to call out too, I mean, it's, it's having these one-on-one -on -one conversations within our own community and yeah. being able to be part of the solution rather than looking for solutions. Um, and while acceptance is high, the knowledge gap is low. So we have a huge amount of people who want to do good and do right by their communities, their neighbors, their family members. But the the underlying issue, I feel, the undercurrent here is a lot of individuals don't feel equipped to have these conversations. So we have our homework here in the advocacy space. Um, I just saw some numbers quite recently. About 50% of Americans feel, about half of Americans feel that they're knowledgeable about trans and non-binary people. My question is, where are the other half of Americans learning about these communities from? Yep. It's through the media, obviously, yep. and the content we consume, but who's flooding the airwaves right now? It's it's mm -hmm. polarizing politicians, it's misinformation. So that's where we come in to be able to equip our our partners and our journalists and people who want to do that good in society to do it right and accurately and, and tell our stories fairly. You know, I, I think that that is so important that when we talk about the knowledge gap, right, and that people may know someone, but they may not understand their lives, right, yeah. and their lived experience um, or the challenges, right, that they are facing. And I think that that is incredibly important. And I'm so happy to hear that, that the number has risen over the last 10 years of people who um, know a trans or non-binary person, because I remember when that number was in the teens, right? 
Um, yeah. And, you know, most recently, I can attest with my own personal story that I had a conversation, you know, with my parents recently, um, with them saying, you know, I don't know the right things to say, but I'm trying to understand the trans community, like what is right? What can I ask, you know? Um, yeah. And, but they wanted to have the conversation, but they also wanted to, they wanted to have it in a safe space where they could make mistakes. And so what does it look like for those people that want to engage, but are fearful, so they say nothing? Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? So what, what advice can we provide for those people that can create this safe space for them to say, you know what, I am struggling, right? Because all people struggle with change, but like, I want to be better. Yeah. And this might be a, a controversial answer coming from me and, and my seat at GLAD. I'm going to call it a bit of a non-troversial answer. But this work is really not that hard. It's really just unpinning exactly that question and turning it on yourself and just having the conversation, overcoming that fear and that shame and maybe that rejection or fear of rejection or fear from getting things wrong or fear of cancel culture. It's the fear of not having, the fear of having the question is what is setting us back. Or the fear of not asking the question is what's setting us back. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that withholds the conversation and the answers and the solutions for a lot of this. If we are just able to overcome this fear within ourselves and just ask the questions that we are afraid to ask, I think we will find a lot of uh, peace. I'm going to use the word peace there because a lot of what we have is this unrest, whatever, however that resonates with people, that unrest within themselves, this unrest with understanding an experience unlike their own. It's okay to ask questions. We have to ask the questions and we have to be able to say and to really say in a full scale, I am not asking this correctly, but will you allow me to ask it and help me through the right way to ask it? Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. That is what drew me from politics and policy work to media. Mm. Was this idea of how do we use stories to be able to present models on how we have conversations? Yeah. Because what I've come to understand, Tony, and you tell me your experience, but what I've noticed over my last decade plus doing this work is that what the right, what the opposition wants is a lack of conversation so that they can instill fear in that place. That knowledge gap that you're talking about, in that gap goes fear, right? Yeah, they're feeding in off that of gap that. Go, yes, and they feed off of that gap. And so when I look at the importance and the role of media, it is to fill in in the place where there are holes. But mm. when you have a media that is now so interested and invested in creating the gap, yeah. right, making the work even harder, what do places like GLAD do, right? Because the media is very much as responsible for where we are currently in this country as the politicians that put us there. No, totally. And I love that you mentioned your your own culture shift, your career shift, right? Because, you know, I was a morning news producer for 10 years um, before GLAD. And as I was doing more advocacy journalism, that alone has a ceiling in network and legacy media, right? Like, of course, I can tell our stories, uh, but you can't do that full time. So yep. a lot of what I was doing in the network um, in the network news space was, A, creating a space for queer journalists to be a resource to one, of, one another and to create community. And what we found was in this kind of legacy journalism, then this legacy journalist space was a really, I will say, antiquated, and you'll get this. It's like, you know, 
journalists can't have opinions, tell yep. both sides, yep. um, right down the middle, all of these, all of these things, which does make sense, right? But in the world we are living in, we're not the, the question is no longer do we hold people accountable? It's how do we hold people accountable? Yeah. And that threads out to outdated laws, outdated legislation, outdated ideas, and then it closes journalist space. And what I'm kind of getting to here is for me, when I w- met my ceiling in terms of I wanted to tell these stories, our stories full time and come over to come over to Glad, part of that in in my former space was encouraging network leadership to allow journalists and reporters to infuse their experiences in the storytelling. And that's not that's not bias, that's not opinion, that's my own lived experience can tell the story in a way that connects with an audience, connects with people, connects with um, the stories that we need answers to in, in, in an explosively expanded way than just telling a script, rereading a script right, quote unquote, down the middle. So a lot of the work we're doing at GLAD is not you know, grading inclusivity, the quality of inclusivity of of content per se, but we're we're really after the visceral experience of a content. Can this content shift culture by affecting policy? Can this can this uh, story or piece do that? Um, in, and of, of course, including does it emote emotion and is it thought provoking? So Glad deals with all of that space also, but especially the training and advocacy piece from activists across the country um, and being able to take those people in want who are hungry to do more, who are already said advocates and activists in their own communities and being able to do everything from media, train them to counsel them, to connect them with media and the right and the right folks in their communities to tell their stories and apply their lived experiences to quote unquote issues. Because at the end of the day, LGBTQ people are not issues. They are people. Yeah. And the idea of neutrality is a fallacy, right? Mm. Like it is it is looking at the world through the prism of white, cis, hetero men, right? And that is a long, you know, long ago time, far off time when we had four channels that we were all watching and, you know, the two newsmen that we were all following and they were dictating to us how the world should look and be right through a yeah. white supremacist patriarchal lens, yeah. you know? So, yeah. So it's it's just like for me, you know, I get this I get this question a lot when I when I do storytelling trainings, when I work with different folks and they're just like, well, you know, isn't it the job or when I speak to journalism students, isn't it the job? of us to be neutral. And I said, your job is to tell the truth. And I don't mm. know how you tell the truth with excluding your own lived experience from what it is that you're covering, right? Like that isn't an opinion to your point. It is providing color and context, Absolutely. right? And what I, what I feel like we miss out too by doing that is treating the audience as adults, right? That can handle nuance. And right. so I, I when you talk about, you know, LGBTQ people being people and not just numbers or statistics um, or problems to be solved, I think what is missing, too, in media is that nuance 
And when we're talking beyond, because you were in, you know, in the news business, you know, we're talking about clips, right? Like we need the clip. Yeah. We need the two minute clip. But Absolutely. when we're going beyond that and you actually have the ability to tell stories in documentaries, in series, in, you know, in in film, what do you think is missing, you know, mm. Tony, that need that we need to expand on, that we need to work on? That it isn't just about the numbers of LGBTQ people that are present in front or behind the camera, because I think both are important. But what yeah. else do you think is missing to really expand on the nuance? I really, out the gate as a storyteller myself, who has had threats for stories in the past, not going to name names or networks, like threatened some stories to go away because I pushed a little too hard. Uh, for for that truth, right? Um, I think what's really missing across the board as a broad stroke is having the courage to tell things the way they are and call things out for the way they are. To say this person or idea is transphobic. XYZ is racist. We have to get to a place all of our storytellers out there, content creators, we have to have the courage to call things as they are, period. And that is actually journalism. Being neutral is not journalism. That's irresponsible journalism to me. But being able to call things out for what and who they are and what those things stand for and the realities for what is at stake I am not, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a policy gay by any means. <laughs> and I, you know, I've, I've, again, I just, I call on, I've been name checking legacy, 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 but I've, at these legacy networks, I, we, I say, I still say we also, we love our polls. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but I've never mm -hmm. answered any of these poll phone calls nope. ever in my life. I don't even never know anybody asked. who has ever. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, who are these people? Number one. And who really does this poll represent? And they're they're so calculated and formulaic and 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 careful, you know, and how they portray certain numbers on the air. I get that. But I think we rely a lot on polling numbers, and I have to just call this out as we go into an election year. We rely so much not on just the direction of a campaign, but we let polling dictate our storytelling now. Yes. Versus yes going out and talking to the people or leaning on lived experience to actually dictate the facts and what is actually at stake versus really a narrative made up by numbers. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. You know, and I'm, I'm glad that you made the pivot to the election because, you know, that is obviously top of mind for me and top yeah. of mind uh, for the listeners as we, you know, head you know, head first into 2024. And so what, you know, how, what is GLAD's role, you know, as we head into what is, you know, and I know I say it ad nauseum, the most consequential election of our time, the one that is going to decide uh, yeah. whether America remains a, a project of democracy or, you know, a tool of fascism. So what, what is GLAD's role and what are you all preparing for uh, as we head into an election cycle? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's really humanizing the queer experience. It's going out there and telling real people's stories. It's getting out of the coastal cities and really meeting people for who and what they are and what they're going through. It's walking you through the stories of thousands, I want to say millions of Americans and families who are leaving states over, you know, laws on immigration, bodily autonomy, um, af- athletes and bathrooms, you name it. It's just like, are are we so bored? Like that right. those are the issues at stake? Like, like what? Like people are trying to put food on the table and we are stuck on a less than 1% of a community that needs to be legislated again. So like, so that's my aside personally, but humanizing the queer experience is number one for us. And I think all of the queer organizations um, are really having a coming together. And I feel like at times there's, there's a little bit of a, I'm going to say turf wars and I know many will hear this, but there's the idea that all the orgs have their own lane and we do our own thing. We don't talk to each other, but what's going to really come to a head here is having a unified message and being able to come together and bring all our resources together. You know, you have Human Rights Campaign who, you know, they do policy. Trevor Project is mental health. 
Glad creates content representation and experiences around policy and mental health and all those things, right? So when we come together, we are an unstoppable force. Um, but as you mentioned before, there are people who are pouring millions of dollars yes. into that knowledge gap. That's their MO. You have your groups like Moms for Liberty, your Alliance Defending Freedom, who are getting these insane uh, cases into the Supreme Court. Yep. Um, so there's millions of dollars coming up to bat against us. But I think also what you're, you're seeing is, you know, we're, we're going after Moms for Liberty. Like, you will be exposed. We know who you are. And we're coming for you. And it's so unfair to see how much a lot of these groups have been platformed. But I'm really encouraged yeah. by... Gen Z and Gen Alpha, just to name two generations. We just had um, a couple of weeks ago here, Xander Morix in South Florida, who is a GLAD 20 under 20 alumnus, just said just some powerful, powerful stuff to one of the Moms for Liberty um, it founders. It was brilliant. I mean, these yeah. are things I'm <laughs> like, I could not come up with this stuff, but these are these are people who are empowered to make change in a way that I haven't seen in my lifetime. And we all get into this space and advocacy for our own reasons and experiences, but to see the kind of drive and the kind of ways they are utilizing media as a vehicle for change yep. by using their experience, their voice, their story is really something that blows me away. And within GLAD's, uh, plan of action is really being able to support those people and those voices. And instead of doing it on our own, I think a lot of times we, you know, I, I always say ex acceptance is on all of us and acceptance is really not that hard. Um, and yeah. I tell my team here all the time, we can do everything, but we can empower people and guide them to do and be their best and to equip them to go out into the world and be the change they want to see. Um, I think for us, it's going to be humanizing the queer experience and equipping our community to to really go the distance and connect with people in ways that um, people might be afraid, might have been afraid to in the past. Amazing. Well, Tony, uh, Woke F Daily is here for you and here for GLAD and all the ways uh, that we can partner and uh, and work together to amplify voices uh, and much needed messages and fill in the knowledge gap in a way um, that increases our progress. So appreciate you. you making the time for I Woke appreciate you are filling hope. the knowledge gap here every day, girl. I'm telling you, <laughs> every and I day. love how you, <laughs> you just spit fire everywhere I see you on, on social media. And I so appreciate you. And it's a privilege to join you for this convo today. So thank you. All right. We'll come back again soon. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. Hello! 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.